Hello, Smorgasporters. Welcome once again to the Smorgasporter podcast, where each and every week we interview interesting personalities from the grassroots surf community. Well, what can I say about my chat today? It's great when you meet people from different walks of life. Working on different projects and in different industries presents you with the opportunity to meet different people in your day-to-day life. I mean, if you ever told me I'd be great mates with a New South Wales Blues supporter, let alone one who barracks for St George and Cronulla, I never would have believed you. Many years down the track, however, having ridden for Smorgasporter for some nine years, one guy I could call a true friend, who I've always enjoyed catching up with, although my liver may beg to differ, is a Mr Mark Riley. Mark's an interesting story, and one I was keen to tell. On the road, I'm regularly asked who he is and what's he like. Well, this is your chance to find out. Long story short, Mark has been handcrafting beautiful balsa surfboards for some 22 years now, and shipping his handiwork all around the world. Longboards, performance shortboards, fish, single fins, guns, you name it. They're all super sexy on the eye and a hell of a lot of fun to ride. Now, I will warn some listeners, when I conducted this interview, we were on the verge of the Rugby League NRL Finals. Mark's teams were both looking good for the finals, and he was also still gloating about the Blues' origin win. Unfortunately for Mark, both his teams bombed out of the finals, not within Kui of the Premiership Trophy. And I, for one, was truly gutted for him. I hope you can see through the absolute bullshit of my last statement. Jokes aside, Mark's not a tosser. He's a top bloke and I love him. And speaking of top blokes, this episode of Smorgasporter Podcast is brought to you by the guys at BOQ Budrum. Marcus Henderson and Sam Archer, they're top blokes. Sam possibly can't surf, but he's a top bloke nonetheless, and that is why we at Smorgasporter bank with them. We can relate to them. We can sit down, have a good honest chat about where our business is going and why we need a gazillion dollars for our next overseas smorgasbord fact-finding surf mission. Jokes aside, yet again, with Sam and Marcus, you can sit down, have a chat, let them know where you're at and they will do their utmost to sort you out with what you need to keep things rolling. This episode of the Smorgas Podcast is available on Apple iTunes and Spotify under Smorgasporter, with links also provided on our social media feeds. It's also available on smorgasporter.com.au, where you can also order a home delivery subscription of our magazine. $25 sees you get four editions delivered to your door. The mag is still free. You're only paying for postage and handling. Alternatively, you can download a digital edition for free at smorgasporter.com.au. With that done, let's now get on with my chat with Mr. Mark Riley, beautiful balsa board builder from the Shire. So, most importantly, you've got to confess you must have missed me. Oh, I haven't been missing you. How long has it been? Six years? <laughs> two. Ah, oh, two. It felt like six. Have you had anyone to have a beer with since I've been here last? Um, yeah, a few people. Yep. Look to your right, look to your left. <laughs> I haven't been waiting for you. <laughs> so I'm regularly asked on the road, Mark Riley, what's he like? 
What's he do? Yeah, what's his secret? He seems to seems to be out there doing a bit of. He's here, there, and everywhere. So, what have you got to say about? Well, I can't answer what's he like. You can answer that. <laughs> but uh, what I do? Uh, well, I've been making balsa wood surfboards now for twenty-two years. That all started by importing balsa wood from Ecuador. And it was sort of a little bit of a sideline to what I was doing at the time. I was working as a carpenter and a builder, but I was just getting sick of the building industry. So I bought some balsa back after a year trip around Central and South America and uh, brought some sticks back with me, made a few boards up, realised how good balsa wood, the actual material itself, how strong, light, easy to work and how beautiful the boards are and then went back and got a container and so I've been doing that ever since then phased out the building and um, just been making boards since then and uh, now getting bought, uh, balsa from Papua New Guinea because you got your own plantation well, well no, no I don't own. yeah I'm sourcing the wood from there um, it's just such better quality bigger section sizes lighter colours lighter in weight um, it's um, unbelievable how good it is um, it's closer to Australia, so it's quicker to get here. Um, and, uh, you know, we're still getting a little bit of balsa from Can- north of Cairns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just up there a couple of weeks ago just to see how the trees are, in which the trees are now maturing sort of four years. They're ready to cut down. So we've got to do a bit of refining there just to get some good timber out of there. But, you know, different timbers are coming from different areas, you're getting different colours, different weights. So it's good to have that for different customers. Certain customers want to match, you know, woodwork, furniture, internally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can pick through all my wood. You know, I've got logs now. I'd have a thousand sticks in stock to pick from. If someone wants a certain length, size, width, density, colour, whatever. You know, because I mean, that's part of what you do is not just the boards, it's actually supplying kits, supplying, you know, board builders, shapers, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If someone, I can supply a a board, a blank, wood, whatever stage they want it at, depending on their skills and their, um, you know, their tools and, you know, their, you know, whether they can get help off friends or teachers or whatever, I can supply that blank or board or wood at whatever stage they want because everyone you know wants to have a go at making a board Mm. but they might not have the skills to start it from the raw wood so therefore i'll give them a blank half shaped or three-quarter shape where they just finish off the rails and glass it themselves Mm. and so i suppose the thing is you're not really dealing with surf shops per se is that that's why you're a bit of an unknown to perhaps people in the industry because you're not you're not going via the shops. Everything's pretty much through you direct and, and online, is it not? Yeah, I had a sort of bad experience with uh, selling through surf shops when I first started off. So I was pretty much coming into it cold, straight into the surf industry, selling something, you know, a new product, untested, unmarketed, you know, since the 50s and 60s. And, you know, I needed to get sales. I needed to get the stuff out there. So I contacted a shop around Cronulla Way. I won't mention the shop. And um, 
So the guy said, yeah, put it on consignment. So I put it on consignment, used to go past the shop every three days to see the board still in the window. And then it probably been in there for two or three weeks. And then I sort of forgot about it or got busy with something. And then all of a sudden I get a phone call from a guy and he says, um, oh, I've just, I left the board on <coughs> top of the roof and I forgot to tie it on. Just wondering if you can repair it. I said, yeah, no worries. Where'd you get that from? Oh, such and such surf shop. I go, oh, right, okay. So, uh, you know, he brought it to me. I fixed it. And I had to ring up this surf shop and say, hey, mate, um, I believe you sold my board that was on consignment there. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, you better come in and get your check. So I went in to get the check and I said, mate, you sold this board three weeks ago. Why didn't you ring me and say, you know, come and pick up your check? He was just hoping I was going to forget about it and he was going to pocket the money. So I went down to another surf shop down the road. I said, you've got these balsa wood boards. Would you like to consign them? Yep, that'd be great. Stuck it in the front window. Two weeks later, he rings up and says, oh, my girls have just knocked this board over. You better come and pick it up and fix it up. So I said, well, are you going to pay for this repair? He goes, no, it's on consignment. I said, yeah, but you knocked it over. So that's from then on, I just went, that was in my first, you know, few months of the business. And I said, well, I'm going to go direct to the public. So that was in uh, 90, uh, 97 and uh, 96, I think it was. So I basically built a website from that, that day and just really sold online. Hmm. You know, I still do wholesale to shops and that for certain products and that. Still sell to other online stalls also, you know, mm. individual stuff like, you know, wood-coloured fin boxes and specialised fins. So I still do wholesale to a few people, but not full-size boards. Predominantly online. Everybody know. Everyone can go on a Google and search for me, find me, advertising in Smorgasborder, um, get a lot of, you know, return business from that. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I'm happy where I'm at at the moment. And shapers hitting you up for, for balsa, for, for boards and so forth? Yeah, or? mainly blanks. I'm making blanks up now for Hobie, Hobie surfboards in California. Mm-hmm. So I'll make up a solid blank. It's like a classic male blank with eight sticks, three stringers. Send that over to California. They'll shape that up. And, you know, Pido surfboards up in Newcastle. They'll order blanks. Uh, McTavish orders blanks. Um, Bennett's order a lot of blanks. You know, I'll supply balsa for stringers to Bennett's and also to Midget Farrelly to surf blanks. Mm-hmm. So anything's possible with balsa. You know, there's a lot of history there. You know, it goes back to the 50s and 60s and such a good material to be shaping next to foam or next to cedar mm. to give that great characteristics of the old time. Yep. And then on, I suppose on the board building side of things too, you're also doing the, the trips over to PNG as well now. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Just go over there every year. We're about to head back over in November. Um, usually we go sort of just before or just after the season, but this year we're going mid-season, which is peak time for for the season of surf. So we're going early November. So we've got a couple of spare spots available if anyone's interested. So you can come over and just surf if you wanted to, or fish, or dive. And if you wanted to make a board, you can, next next to me and next to a couple other guys. Or you can just watch one being made. <coughs> and you do the solid balsa over there? Yeah, solid, yeah. 
It's the other type of board I'll do is a foam core with a balsa skin over the top, but they, we just don't have the tools and the material and the technology over there to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. I did do it on one trip and it nearly killed me. <laughs> I did four or five boards with foam and I come back a wreck. We had problems with humidity and resins exactly. and everything. Setting and- um, but we've sort of got over the resin side of thing. I'm using a UV cure resin now. Mm-hmm. So we're glassing that so humidity doesn't affect that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's been an experience going back there once, twice a year. We've taken schools over there, 20 kids over there, made boards and helped the locals, helped the locals how to make a board and how to use balsa over there. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's been successful. <coughs> successful. Some potential uh, board builders over in PNG. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, with a machete, <laughs> you can do anything. <laughs> Couple of dugout canoes as mm. well as boards. Yeah. And what else? I mean, board-wise, I suppose you're, you're doing pretty much it, everything. You're, you're doing some beautiful solid balsa boards. You're doing, you know, with the, the frame core, you're doing performance boards, fishes, short boards. I mean, is there anything kind of new design-wise or anything like that? Or um, I haven't worked on anything in the last six months that's sort of brand new, mm-hmm. but... You know, we're still building stuff on the side for customers. Everything's custom made. So customer comes to me saying, you know, I like this sort of board, and but I like something bigger or smaller or whatever. I built, everything's built by hand. You know, there's no computers here. So we build it by hand. So we make templates up. We're doing rocker templates and rail templates and deck templates and everything to, to you know, get things right for customers. No two boards are the same. We like to keep them unique and individual, and the customer can put their little touch on it. They want a nose, <laughs> nose block, tail block, you know, certain glue up in a fin, certain sunrise in a D fin, you know, 10 stringers if they really want. You know, I built boards with 40 stringers in it for a 40th birthday. Didn't see that, yeah. It was very heavy, <laughs> but, you know, great wall hanger. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, we we try to keep each board individual. And, and the longevity, know. obviously, you've touched on that in the past, but that's also important to kind of mention in terms of, you know, the, the durability of the boards and how strong they are. Yeah, yeah, they're um, a lot stronger than a regular polyurethane blank board, um, mainly because of the density of bolster, the glue-up we're doing, the laminations, you know, give it extra strength. I've had three snaps in 20 years. So um, it's a pretty good record. And in those three snaps, it was pretty much an internal glue up. You know, it wasn't to the right specs. Mm. So I replaced those boards. <coughs> so three snaps and how many boards, you reckon? Um, have you count of them? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'll keep a count of them. In, in boards, I've done probably over a 1,000 finished boards, probably another 1,000 blanks mm-hmm. and another 1,000 kits on top of that. In 20 years. So 20 years, do you, do you look back and, and look at the shapes and how you refined it and how your, I suppose, eye and skills and things like that? You well, know, you're certainly not green. I mean, yeah. 20 years is a hell of a long time for any profession. So. But you're still learning. Every board you learn. Every board you want to do a new little change or, you know, and then talk to the customer and they get the feedback from the customer and say, yeah, I love that little tweak you did. 
Um, and that's what's good about hand shaping stuff. You do get better and better and better. Mm. You know, you're not refining something on a computer screen by moving a line one millimeter to add an extra, you know, five millimeters in a rocker curve. You're actually mm. physically making templates and uh, you know that that board's going to be exactly the same as the one before with those minor changes. So, so any little subtle refinements that you've, you know, anything to oh, do with always. tail or nose? Yeah, it always or, is. It yeah. always is. You Just know. to adapt to the individual, yep. I suppose. Yep, yep. And you talk to people, they'll look at photos online and say, oh, I love that board. But, you know, I'd like a little bit wider in the nose or wider in the tail. So I'll build that board for that guy. You know, I'll save those photos. I'll know where that is. And someone says, I love that board where it's one model, but you're doing variations in that model. Because you've even done paddle boards and, you know, yeah. real long stand-ups and downwinders yeah. and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Paddle boarding is a whole different industry, I think. So I'm not going too hard with that. And, you know, I can make three boards for the ones, you know, one stand-up paddle board because Some they're of them just so big. beautiful, though. Yeah, yeah. Look at them and they're just... Yeah. But, you know, you've got boards coming out of China for, yeah. you know three four five hundred dollars um i can't compete with that i don't want to compete with it um so <coughs> i'll only do a couple of stand-ups a year yeah and you've done even the boards for maui gyms and the retail and things yeah, yeah. like that there's been some beautiful like guns and things yeah, like that a lot so. of um commercial you know brand building um elements come into it where you know red bull and you know maui gyms you know we can we can router out computer cutter you know logo into it we can print it on a decal paper um everything's custom made and then once we've made one for maui gym we keep the same colors and that and then each time they open a new shop we uh, make a board up and send it around the country that's fantastic so mm. um any unusual requests what's the, what's the most un- i mean you've done the stand-ups you've done You've even done an alaya whilst in PNG. Any any yeah. unusual ones that you've done? Or? Oh, you know, near you get the odd Nilo. Um, I've just made. I'm still making the tide clocks. Also, my mm-hmm. standard one is a three foot guy in Thailand. Just said, can you make me a four foot one with uh, five mechanisms in it? Um, there's something new every week, basically, that comes in. So. Every board, I, I like to do something different. Yeah. You know, don't, I don't want to make them too funky and too, that are going to go out of style, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, they're great for the first year, but then, you know, styles and design do change. So, yeah. uh, you know, you don't want to go too out of this world. And, you know, you've got to still keep and think of the history of Bolsa, you know, mm. from the 50s, 60s. That's where everyone, you know, that's where the romance is from the 50s, 60s, when you guys, guys like, you know, Phil Edwards and Hobie and Bennett and, and you know, Farrelly and all these guys were, were making bolsa boards back in the 50s and 60s. It's a timeless elegance. Yeah, that you yeah, want exactly. To keep that. Yeah, yeah. You know, the young kids of, you know, 18, 20, they don't understand or don't know the history. And guys that are passionate about wood or history of surfing and that, when they do the research and say, wow, this was a big change in the 50s when balsa came in. Mm. When the Americans came over and brought their balsa wood boards here, the Australian board builders, Gordon Woods and all these guys are just going like, wow, look, look what, you know, they're, they're really hot dog surfing on these boards. Mm. We need to get balsa. 
because that did change the the scene. You know, it was you were able to manoeuvre the boards a lot more then. Customer-wise, is it any particular demographic or age or anything like that, or was it pretty varied? Or <coughs> uh, yeah, <clears throat> my market is more, you know, over the thirty-five-year-old. Mm-hmm. These guys do understand the market, <coughs> the history of Balsa. You know, it's this, it's this, it's this cold, cold weather getting me. <laughs> I thought you so, just went hard. um so the the demographics is yeah over the 30 35 year old you know mark where the guys understand the history the you know how beautiful the wood is and um you know the guys have got a few dollars you know they've got a few boards they want to add they've always wanted a balsa board for the last 10 years Mm. You know, they might just come across me and say, well, these are affordable, these longboards. Only $2,000 for a longboard, that's affordable. Mm. You can go to Hawaii or America, you know, they can be 4000 5000 US dollars over there. Mm. So I want to keep them affordable that these guys can buy them and ride them. You know, if you and buy... The wall a, hangers and they're, and they're also rideable art, yeah, I yeah. suppose. Because if you go and spend, you know, four or $5,000 on a board, do you want to leave it on the roof when you're down the beach? Probably not. Do you want to ride out in the surf and run into something and smash it up? Probably not. But if they're around the two grand mark and they're durable, you're going to get a good life out of that. Yeah. So to finish, you know, you and I have a, a love-hate relationship. Do we? So, yeah, well, oh. it comes down to the rugby league. I so. thought there was only one. <laughs> but I don't know whether it was love or hate. <laughs> so... You guys got the, the chocolates this year in the, in the state of origin. So what's, what's your perception? Is it, a, is it the dynasty this time round? Well, it's been the refereeing the last 10 years. <laughs> Finally, the referees have given us a go. That's all it comes down to, one person in the middle. So uh, you, you, got, uh, you won the bet, you won everything yep. this year. So Thanks. What you, what? <laughs> Thanks for the lottery ticket. Since how many have I bought? Six the last six years? <laughs> So what do you reckon for the NRL final? Who's who's uh, who's going to win? Well, I've got a I've got a soft spot for Cronulla and St George Illawarra, of course. So if those two can be in grand final, I'll even shout you down to see the grand final. So How's if they that? do make the grand final, who do you support? Uh, a draw. Knowing that you're you know you're kind of you're Cronulla, but family history, yeah. St George, your history, yeah, yeah. St George. Well, I so. played for both of them, so. Um, so yeah. who do you support? You've got to pick one. Oh, depends who's playing and who's <laughs> coaching at the time. Uh, if they were playing tomorrow, I'd probably be going for St George. Because yep. I went out there last week to Jubilee and uh, they got beaten, but I got well looked after. So I'll go with St George at this stage. And who do you think, head or heart? Who, who's going to win? Who do you, you know, if it's uh, not- I really think St George will. If Widdop's playing well and Hunt's playing well, they're the key feed key players you need a good halfback good 5-8 um, they'll win a comp and if those two stay fit they'll win the comp you do realise Hunt's a Queenslander don't you yeah 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 but he's playing with St George <laughs> we'll no. take him he doesn't play very good for Queensland <laughs> so uh, we'll keep him playing good in St George yep superb thanks yeah. mate alright mate see you later
Thanks once again, Smorgasporter, for tuning in to the Smorgasporter podcast. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Mark Riley. Remember, if you do wish to read more about Mark, you can do so by going to smorgasporter.com.au and ordering yourself a home delivery subscription. $25 a year gets you four editions delivered to your door. Alternatively, you can download a digital copy of the magazine at smorgasporter.com.au and it is completely free of charge. Thanks once again, Smorgasporters. Look forward to chatting with you next week where I interview another interesting grassroots surf personality.